Hi there, this is Alison Ward, inspiring you. And today we are with a beautiful lady. I'm going to let this lady introduce herself and we are just going with the flow in this interview. I haven't prepared anything. I've just got four questions here, but I'm going to ask this lady to introduce herself now and let, let's just go with the flow and see how this inspires you. So hello, who are you? And tell us about hello. who you are. Um, Judy Caldwell. Hi, Judy. Hi. So, Judy, do you know why you're here? Um, to talk about um, experience, any experience I've been through. Okay. And I believe that experience was to do with your beautiful boy called Matt, Matthew. Yes. Would you like to tell us about Matthew and your family in your own time? Um, how far back do you go? When he was born. <sighs> when you held him. My very first experience was um, he um, he'd got cold in the night because at um, the maternity hospital you couldn't have the baby with you at night when you give birth to them. You used to go to the nursery, and he'd got cold in the night, and they wheeled him in in a heated um, cot. And I looked at him and I thought, you look like my mum. Oh. <laughs> situation there wasn't I picked when I did finally pick him up there was such a rush of love like there was the night before but to start off with I don't know what it was I, I didn't forget it but um, I don't know what it was, was with Matthew he's um, he was such a easy child he had his own way. He didn't want. He didn't sit up until he was nearly. Well, it was quite late on. They were going to uh, had an appointment to go to the hospital. Yeah. And um, just before the appointment for the hospital, a couple of days before he sat up. So it's as if he did everything. I do it my own way and when I want. Uh, he was my second child, second boy. Um. <laughs> okay. Um. grandchild was Adam and he had a very close relationship with him and there's only a year and a half between Adam and, and Matthew and when Matthew came along it's as if he looked at him as if he was trying to take over from Adam I can't explain it but he he didn't if he took Adam away he'd push Matthew away and there was always that ongoing I used to take bring Adam out and say if Matthew can't come in, Adam can't. Yeah. And was this your dad or no, your husband's dad, Steve's, Steve's dad? dad yeah. um, I don't know why I'm saying all this, but um, he didn't see that. Matthew didn't. He didn't see that. He didn't that favouritism. He didn't. And any um, with his nan and granddad, any which I thought was a flaw, anything that if they did against my children I saw as a flaw anyway yeah he never saw that or if he did it's just one of those things it's the way he was and even early on I, I can remember when we had Matthew uh, Sean they both Sean your third boy your third, third child boy. that was um, Steve's dad's favourite 
Oh wow! When Sean came along, so he had Adam, Skip Matthew, and then there was oh. Sean, just the way it was. And um, I remember being at our house, and Steve's mum said, "Sean, come and give um, Nanny a hug." And he said, "No." Oh. <laughs> and I said, "I'll hug you, Nanny. I've got it on video." And she said, "I'll go on then." And he'd hug her. He, he was just that kind of child. He was a very loving child. And even when we, he was in junior school, we'd walk into school, he'd have his arm in mine. He didn't care. He was just very loving. It's just like he was born dad. with absolute compassion. Yes, yeah, definitely. And connection. Um, he would, when he went into the regiment... Um, At what age? 17. He, um, he went to, uh, on basic training, and we took him down to Honington. And when we came back, his dad got into his bed and was crying. Oh. And because um, it was so young for him to go, yeah. 17. And um, even then, when we used to take him, his friends used to pick him up on, you know, uh, Lydia Ash? Yes. So we used to take him um, just before the motorway yeah. and they'd pick him up and he always got out of the car and kissed his dad. Oh, in front of his friends, because Dad would open the boot to um, give him his stuff, and he'd kiss him. That's always, beautiful. Never bothered him. He was always like that. Did and he know himself? In in what respect? From from it sounds to me from I mean we've just been speaking a couple of minutes now, but he he would have witnessed his granddad favouritising his older brother and even his younger brother yet he accepted it for what it was and still had love and compassion so to have that depth of love and compassion empathy understanding that's a that's deep knowledge that's deep soul knowledge it has to be doesn't it yeah it does because he wasn't academic he didn't do very well in school and a lot of teachers gave up on him but he excelled in the regiment why was that it was something he always wanted to do because when he was I can't remember what year you... Is it seven when you joined Cubs or eight? I don't know. But I always remember we were in Sainsbury's and uh, we're unpacking the shopping and he says to the checkout lady, he says, I'm joining Cubs this week because I've, I'm now whatever age. Yeah. And if it was seven. And she says, oh, have a lovely time, really enjoy it. And he was so excited. He always wanted to be part of a team. Yeah. His whole... I'd say most... You know, from when he was that age, he always wanted to... Team. Unfortunately, we lived on Bourneville, and it's very clicky, and you've got a snobbery. Yeah. And um, he um, joined the Cubs, and Adam's friend from school said, I'll look after him, which he did. But then he left to go into Scouts, and then when Matthew went into Scouts, he'd left, and um, he was bullied in Scouts, which we didn't know about till years later. Oh, wow. Yeah, and he came out and we thought, oh, that's strange, you know, because it's something he wanted so to do. So he just left? He left it, yeah. And then he had, he used to play football and um, the other kids weren't, they didn't accept him really. He was he was a goalie in the football and that. That's a hard but position to play. The goalie gets it all, doesn't it? So. And it's not, they don't respect the goalie no. for some reason. Yeah. Well, they blame the goalie, don't they? The parents used to shout yes, at him. Yes, yes. And he just used to get on with it. And he kept going back and back and back. He didn't care. He just, you know, got man of the match. He didn't care. So um, that was part of it. And then he didn't want to. He'd come out 
coming out of school and he didn't want to know. The um, Air Force had been to the school. Yeah. And he'd got all the booklets. Now, this is about two years before he left. And he'd put them in his cupboard. And um, I remember taking them out. <laughs> no way, Jose. And then he had a, an interview with... Um, oh, I'll just tell you this yeah. bit first. He was, um, if he did something, he wanted to do it to the best of his ability. So he had a paper route and he never missed a morning. And they were um, the couple that he owned the shop on Radlebarn Road. Yes. Were from Sri Lanka. Okay. And I used to get phone calls and it would be the woman. And she'd phone Matthew's mummy, your son is a beautiful boy. You are such a good mother because you've brought up such a beautiful boy. And I used to get this all the time. <laughs> and I thought, oh, how lovely is that? And he was no, you couldn't, um, he wouldn't, what can I say? He wasn't an easy, no one could use him or anything. He was very, he wouldn't put up with anybody trying was to he take confident? the out of him. Well, he, we, he never appeared to us to be confident when he was younger because I always remember Steve's, one of Steve's friends, Andrew, his mum was a teacher. And whenever she spoke to him, he used to go like this with his collar, so oh. we knew he was nervous. But as he got older, I think even before he went into the regiment, he had a slight confidence because at the paper shop, um, one of his um, customers, whatever, that he used to deliver to was Nick Owen. Yes. Um, he lived on... Um, From Central. That's right, yeah. And he went to BBC One, I think, didn't I, he? Uh, well... Nick Owen, the, the newsreader for Centre. Yeah, yeah, he's on... Um, he's on the Central. Well, no, he's not. He's on the other side. The, yeah, the side, yeah, yeah. BBC One, yeah. And um, he used to be on the phone complaining about Matthew all the time. Because he had a really, they had a really strange letterbox, really narrow. Yeah. And he used to order all the big, yeah. uh, pay, you know, the papers and that. And Matthew could never get it through the door. So the one day he left it on the doorstep, so he got into trouble for that. It rained and the papers got wet. And so he went the next time and he, he posted them through individually. Oh. <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> got complained about that oh my goodness but and although he was like you'd think they would have said like the shop owners to Matthew you pull your socks up because this is an important person they just said to Matthew take no notice Matthew you know? <laughs> <laughs> we'll put up with a complaint they were just so good it's unbelievable so they accepted him didn't they oh, they, they loved him and when um, the only time he missed the paper round he had a work experience he never tried to get a work experience because he wasn't interested in school. He never lost any time from school. Always went. That was his goal, to always be at school. But he was doing his paper and he came off his bike and oh. he, he, cut it, he hit his lip and it come right out. He'd come in and he was like, oh. So I phoned up the paper shop and told them he wouldn't be coming in. And I also, he was doing a work experience. And like I say, he didn't look for one. So the school found him one. At Lee Bank. Now, you know Lee Bank? Yeah, Lady Waterway. Very rough. Yeah. Nursing. Yeah. And um, he was, he didn't mind, you know, it didn't bother him, so he went off to... What year would this have been? I can't... 
when remember when they do their work experience. Is it fifteen? Fifteen. Yes, Olivia's just done it, and um, he um, he loved it, and the the um, the school said they were getting reports back from the teachers, uh, the teachers and the parents. They wanted to meet this Matthew that had been their, that's their son's friend or their daughter's friend because they thought he was one of the children, and the, all they were doing, the kids were talking about him all the time. And so they came in to meet him and said, oh, okay, you're Matthew, you know. And anyway, he, he missed the last day of that because he came off his bike. Of course, And yeah. they were having, um, I think their last trip, trip was at, um, at the Botanical Gardens, and they asked Matthew to go along as well. It, it'd been his last day, and he missed out on all that. And uh, he had all, like... Um, uh, what do you call it, like, a uh, respond from it, or where people would, like, said, oh, please pass on that we hope he's okay, and, you know, really enjoyed him. You know, he had a really glowing report from there. So he definitely had a presence. He yeah, was wonderful with children. He loved children, really. I wonder if it was, you know, children, they're so accepting, aren't they, from a yes, young age? Yes, they are. And the fact that he probably wasn't accepted by a key member of his family, I wonder if that made any difference or that was just innate within him? I don't know why I told you that. It's really strange, isn't it? Because that is def- must be definitely there, one thing that niggles me still. Yeah. So maybe it was his way. I don't know, because I just know that he went down to whoever he was with, like he was like a, what do you call it when they're so flexible adaptable he, he can adaptable. adapt to people and where I they were said he would adapt to the companies yes that's very clever he won't adapt to people that are taking the pee yeah he blocked them completely but anyone that he wanted to be with he would he would be the one to adapt yeah and um like the, the nursery he was one of them yeah um when jill had lotte scared dogs yeah and i always remember over the phone saying oh jill and chris have got a dog why have they got a dog he was like really indignant <laughs> why have they got a dog I said, because they want one but when he came home he went with jill to the park and he was lottie's ball wasn't he he was rolling oh. down the um the embankment and that wasn't he and, and he made himself so he connected with lottie connected then. with lottie yeah he, he, but it was, that was his personality. Do you think that was his gift then, ability to connect from a very young age? It could be. Um, I never really thought about it. Because what you're talking about, that's how I'm being inspired now, just talking for these few minutes. So you're talking about a boy that as soon as he was born, he, he accepted the fact that everyone accepted him, but he was able to connect with people around him on their level and therefore communicate at their level and inspire people that he met, such as the nursery yeah. at Lee Bank. Because I always wondered if it would be in the middle one. You know, you always hear yeah. about the middle one being left out. Yeah. And he, so he was a baby for four years, and then Sean came along. And I always remember we brought Sean home. He was only born on the morning, in the middle of the night, and I was home the next morning. And saying to everyone, oh, he's doing really well, you know. He's really accepted him and this, that and the other. And um, friends had come and we saw them out. And we came back and he was in the front and he was ripping, he was like screwing up all the cards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> in, in other words, if I screw them up, I really haven't got a little brother. He's, I'm the baby again. Oh, how lovely. But we saw, we, we just saw the funny side. Yeah, exactly. 
and um, yeah, he's. Uh, you see, people think you um, colour someone's personality because they're not here anymore. That you're making them sound like they're so much. They were so much better than they were. Yeah. But I can only tell you the circumstances and experiences we had with Matthew. Yeah. That we really, well, we know he was special. Our children are special, don't get me wrong, but different things. He lied. When I say lied, he would never admit to anything. <laughs> if he went to the, well, he had gone to the toilet and we passed one another. No one else could have gone in there and he hadn't flushed the toilet and he'd done, you know. Yes. Yeah. And I'd, I said, Matthew, you haven't flushed the toilet. I haven't done. But you just come out of the toilet. No, not I me. <laughs> I just passed you. Oh. But, and he said, we saw him walking along the road one night with his friends. And there was a, always a curfew with our kids anyway. And he knew it was time to go home, so he's walking towards home. And he, think, he, he had a light, probably a cigarette. So I said to Steve, I told you he's smoking, because I'd found a cigarette on his, in his pocket or something before. And I said, oh, we'll have him with so when we got back, I said, you were smoking. Let me smell your breath. I couldn't smell anything on you. You were smoking. No, I wasn't. Well, what was that light? I was holding it for a friend. <laughs> and did you almost believe him? I kind of thought, well, maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we drove past the paper shop because uh, Matthew had already signed up to go into the regiment. He passed everything Yeah. to go in. And... Um, the, the newspaper, the couple said, because he won't have any way of earning money, and um, why don't you come work in the shop for us? Just to give you some money before you start your, um, you know, yeah. until you start the, uh, going, going into the regiment. And he did that, and we drove past, and he was outside the paper shop, and he waved to us, and I went, you've got a cigarette. Caught me. <laughs> <laughs> but we never said anything no. at the end of the day. So he's now in the regiment. He's in the regiment and he went through lots of bee stings and that, which is punishments. Okay. Um, and what's this about bee stings? I don't know what um, What it is, they're very, what they do, they join up. The first seven weeks, you can't have any connection with them. You can't phone them or oh. anything. And you're talking of a young child. He's 17. He's yeah. still a child. Yeah. Only two years older than what Olivia is now. And they can send you a postcard. And even then it's blotted out because they have to censor it. So it goes through censoring before it comes to us. Right. And just telling us that he's fine. So seven weeks later, we get to go to the Hollington and to see him and to take him home. He has a break then for two weeks before he actually um, goes to do his, his basic training, uh, proper basic training. Seven weeks is to get them into it, to knock them down, to build them up. So almost to take away their learnt behaviour, their limiting Strip beliefs. Yes. yes. And so he would be, they would, they'd have to iron, they'd, have, they'd learn how to iron um, it had to be perfect. Everything had to be perfect. Their shoes, see their face in it. Everything's got to be absolutely like the best. Yeah. So he'd um, they'd be up all hours of the night, 
until they got the creases right in their uniform. So what, is that what a bee sting is then? That that's not perpetual. a bee sting. Right, that okay. is um, training them to do what they've got to do. Right, to a certain their standard. Uniforms got to be pristine. Yeah. Their shoes have got to be fantastic. Everything's got to be. Yeah. Right. Um, and then they have classes. So of course. They're up like, oh, especially Matt, up all hours of the night trying to get his trousers and that right yeah. and his uniform. And he's dozing off and a book had hit him on the head. Oh. So they'd knock him down and then by the time the seven weeks is over, they built them to what they need to be in order to do basic training. Right. With, I mean, they don't have all this now as such. It's not as strict as that. But what they're saying is they've got to be to a certain level in order to do the job that they're going to be sent to do. So, but he loved it all. What was he like when he came home after the seven weeks? Well, first of all, we go there and, you know, they've had him in a room and uh, all the parents are there. Like, you know, they're all the same as us. Can't yeah. wait to see their, yeah. their child. And they're talking about different things and that. And I'm thinking, for God's sake, I just want to see Matthew. Just, you know. Yes. And then they say, right, now we're going to go in and um, watch them do their marching and then you go and have them, um, some food with, with your child. And, well, I didn't say child with your son because it was all male. Yeah. And uh, so watch them marching and that and then they said, fall out. And he comes straight over to me. And he buried his head in my neck and had a little cry. That's the last time he ever did that. And because um, once he'd finished his, his his basic training, he was still loving. He had to toughen up almost. He was tough, yeah. What was your, when he was holding his head on your shoulder, as a mother, what were you feeling? Oh, just pure love. Yeah. Absolute pure love. And no one can ever take that from you, can they? He gave you that gift on that day that is yours forever, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and even then, I, I mean, I never appreciated because the Corwell gene's very strong. Yes. Yeah. And your husband's Adam's side of the family, yeah. The eyebrows and all that. He's definitely a Corwell. Yeah. And Sean is. Yeah. But Matthew was my side. Yes. But I never really saw it. Wasn't it? Was like, oh, he looks like me. He's my, you know. Yeah. It was never like that. It wasn't until later when people say, oh, he, was, he looked like you, didn't he? Well, I suppose he did, really. Can I ask you, you know, when he put his head on your shoulder, did he go up to his dad? Because you said he was always oh, very... Yes, he yeah, did, and, yes. and what did he do, just out of interest? Can you remember oh, what he did to his, his dad? dad? Did yes, he? he did. He did he kiss his dad or his oh, dad yes, kiss him? yes. Oh, God, yes. Huh? Steve's tactile as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. There's no... His dad wasn't, although you knew he loved him. He had yeah. But um, Steve's very tactile. So you you had this beautiful connection on that day of the oh, seven weeks. Yes, yeah, yeah. And did you have a sense that that wasn't going to continue because of the training, because of what was expected of them in the next stage? I hoped it wouldn't happen, but I knew he had to. I'm not saying toughen up, and it wasn't a pat. It wasn't toughening up because. Matthew was that kind of person. It wasn't because he was like infeminate or anything. Yeah. He was far from it. But he was very. He just had that where he could cuddle you. He had that balance of male and female, didn't he? Didn't, didn't he? Bother him yeah. At all. He would do that in front of anyone where, you know, how kids, I don't know what yours were. My like. James is like that. Once My younger boy's like that. At a certain age, 
yeah. don't don't you know mum go now I'm at school like, yeah, yeah. don't kiss me you know <laughs> the other two were more like that yeah Matt didn't give those monkeys it's as if he thought well up yours everybody you know and and he would do that in front you know give you a kiss and that and that was just Matthew um when he he went to basic training how long is basic training after that then oh. so, he, so he does the seven weeks comes yeah. back with you for two weeks yes. um he joined up in um I was, I, in a way, I was pleased that he had joined up because he didn't have any prospects outside. He had no, if Matthew had no enthusiasm, no one could give, make him do a thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was worried about him. So it had to be motivated from with himself, within himself. He wanted to. Um, first of all, he was looking. I said, "Why don't you try the navy?" I'm thinking more. And he he went to the careers office on his own, and. Um, came away with all the he was, he was looking at the RAF and I think he thought oh I think I'll be a pilot you know <laughs> and then realised he didn't have a regiment soldier he didn't want to go into the army yeah and he wasn't keen on the idea of the navy and then when he found out the RAF had a regiment that was it he said oh I'm, go I'm going to go into that I'm going to try the regiment soldier <laughs> and he um that was it then. Once he'd, he'd decided what he was going to do, he was going to do it. So he did his, his seven weeks, went into basic training, everything against him because he um, got shin splints. Yes. And then he um, had water on his knee. Oh, gosh. Um, was that from all the exercise? Um, the shin splints is from the marching. Yes. And the water on the knee, we're not sure what it was, what caused it whether it was the pressure from that, I've got no idea. Yeah. But he had to, he got, your last one, I think, or Steve will know the names, I, I tend to forget. But you have your very last, um, uh, what do you call it, like test that they give them, and it's a really, like, gruelling. And he got through most of it, and then the, his knee came back up, and they had to take him off, and he had to go back in again. Oh. So they had to do it all again. He was in the regiment, yeah. He had to do the last one again. Yeah, of course. And the yeah. last one, I think, is six months. Or I might have got it wrong because it just seems really. Did that like... demotivate him? Um, or did it go the other way to say, right, I'm going to make sure I get through this time? He never said, oh, I'm, I'm going to give up. He never said he was going to give up. And I think he just he did it again. Yeah, he went back into it because people that he was with. Iraq, it was their first time, it was his second doing what yeah. he'd done. And I can't remember what it was. It's, it's, a, it's a funny name, the last test he had to do, uh, the last full thing he had to do. But I remember when we went um, for his passing out, because Bill and Chris came as well, yeah. and his godparents came. And um, the one um, sergeant was saying to me, or corporal was saying to me, he was so, he said, I have to admire his um, strength and his determination because he kept going regardless of the shin splints he says and I've had them I know how painful it is and then his, his, his knee swelling up and you know he just wanted to do it he was determined to do it so he um, there's something else I was going to say and I can't remember what it was now but... so 
You were talking about when he went back in and he had to do this final part of the training. He did the final part and he passed. So he was like, you know, so happy. Did and he realise his achievement? Did he realise what it took for him to... I don't think he did. He just took no, it in his stride as if it's the most it natural thing. He wasn't a bragger or anything. He never boasted about anything. No. He wasn't like that at all. And he didn't like people like that. So... I always remember we went to see um, people we knew, friends uh, that lived up the road, and her uncle was there, and um, he was talking away about the army and this, that, and the other. And Matt didn't say an awful lot when he sat there. And um, we came away. He was still doing his basics then. He came away and he said, What an absolute idiot. What the hell does he know? I sat, you know, I'm sat there listening to him, and he's talking the most big bugs I've ever heard. I was like amazed. I was just listening to him, not thinking a thing, you know. And he'd come out with all this. He was really indignant that this bloke should think he knows all this, yeah, you know. Yeah. And he'd never even been in the army or anything like that. But yeah, he, he was very passionate about it. Um, he used to say to me, it's like anyone in a job, you get fed up sometimes and you think, oh, do I really want to do this? He says, but talk. As we went on, he kept saying, well, I don't know what I'd do if I had to go into civil. So I, don't know, I don't know how I'd Do you think he found his calling? I think it was that, and also I think with anything like this, you're institutionalised. Yes. So medically, you're looked after, dental, anything like that, you're looked after. Everything is really done for you. You're just expected to protect your queen and country. And what about his emotional needs? Were they met? very hard to say because he, he was a closed book yeah. so if he didn't want you to know anything he wouldn't tell you he did mention once that um he'd been seeing someone and he says you know mum she's got curly hair like you oh i always remember that did you ever meet her no and i don't think um i think when he went to iraq the first time i don't think they saw one another again okay and then i think there was someone else but he never mentioned her to me and um, the lads told us afterwards. And um, he went to Iraq, and the first time he went was the war. So he passed out um, when he was, let me get this right, 18. And went straight, they went to Cornwall where he was going to be based, St. Morgan, and then they went to Iraq. Did you know they were sending him to Iraq, or were you not? Allowed to I know that information. I sending him to Iraq. Okay. I didn't know how soon it was going to be. We went to the... The passing out was bittersweet. Yeah. Because we were so proud of him. But yeah. we knew we wouldn't see him for a while afterwards. Yeah. And I always remember saying, oh, we're going to take... Uh, I said to his um, corporal, we're going to take Matthew for a meal afterwards. He said, okay. He's with us now. My whole body, everything's sinking. Yeah. And thinking, oh, well, fair enough. This is how it is, you know. How did that feel as a mother? Was that like... like smacking the face. Yeah. Um, did you feel that you lost him at that point? Um, or no, part of him? No, no, I never felt that I'd lost him, no. And I knew he was doing something he really loved. So I was so happy for him. But the fact that he was going into Iraq and there was a war... 
was, I can't, I'm trying to think now, but I just know we just went through total horror the pain of us. And I used to every night um, say the Lord's Prayer. I've not said it since he died. To keep him safe. And I didn't feel that I'd lost him. When he came back from Iraq, he was still my little boy in a way. And he was still loving. And he said that um, they were helping the Iraqi police. They had to help the Iraqi police and be friends with the Americans. And um, they found a man who was stealing bricks. So they were told by theirs that they had to, anyone like that, because they had to show that they were on their side. Yes. To um, do a, a an arrest and take them into the police station. Mm. So they did that. And the policeman just cocked his gun and shot him in the head in front of them. <gasps> the guy who was stealing the bricks. And the Iraqi guy who was stealing yeah. the bricks. And he told us he cried. Was that the first time he'd seen someone shot at point range? Was it the first time he'd seen someone killed? Seen someone killed? Yeah. And uh, he was, oh, he just cried. And then um, he said after that we never did it again. We thought him, we just killed him as well. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But he said, I said, how, how, how he works with you? And he says, well, some of them are hard, and mum, you've got to understand. And they were saying things like, God, you know, that was creepy. You know, like silly little things. Yeah. He said they... Because he's Almost trivialising it. Because, because you have to be going yeah. mad, I suppose. But yeah. of course, Matthew never seen that before. It's uh, really not... Obviously not... Of course. And But the very first time... His first assignment when they went out, there was a... Um, Matthew wasn't at that level then and I, I don't know how anybody actually gets to that level but um, that was his first coming back from the war I mean he was like I say he was he was slightly different but he was still you know you still recognize still Matthew the boy, yeah. yeah but then he had a second tour how long after did he have the second oh, tour? You know, when we first, when at um, his passing out, we were told that he'd go to Iraq and then he wouldn't go again uh, for, he might end up going in another couple of years, but they didn't know he might have to go to Afghanistan. Yeah. And that was my true horror. The war in Iraq was. But then after that, thinking of him going to Afghanistan was my true horror because I kept thinking Vietnam kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. But came out, came back from um, Iraq, and I think he was home for, I don't even think he was at home for six months before they sent him out again. 
and he went to climb on the Land Rover, back in the Land Rover and slipped, caught his foot and he broke part of his foot so they sent him home and we got a phone call saying Matthew's been injured and of course we're like oh my god yeah you know and he'll be coming he'll be ringing you to let you know that he's coming home so took ages got a phone call and I came to pick me up so you know like really angry and I said yeah of course we can we'll, we'll pick you up and they said so what have you done we, we've heard you've had a how do you know well they phoned us they well, how dare they? I'm meant to be phoning you. He was just really angry. So <laughs> we drove to Cornwall to get him. Gosh. Yeah, in one day. And no thank you, nothing. Sat in the back of the car, wouldn't talk. That's not Matthew. Because when we'd been travelling in the car before, I used to reach back and we'd hold hands. Yeah. And he didn't want to, He was just so angry. And we'd, well, we what was he angry at, do you think? He was angry. He says to me, I says, Matt, at least you're okay. Says, Mum, you don't understand. It's like losing the link in a chain. I'm part of that chain. And without me, they can't, they've, they've lost a member that I they understand. that they need. Every single one of us is important. And I've let them down. So you can't let anyone down. I it understand. It's an accident, yeah. Yes, of course. So that just shows you his conviction yes. of being a team member, yes. part of that team. Yeah, yeah. And with him not being there, he felt guilt because yes. he couldn't deliver what he promised he would deliver. And he had this girlfriend, apparently. And so she knew he'd gone, or well, she obviously waved him goodbye, whatever, when he went to Iraq. And he never t told her he'd come back because he was against everyone there. Yeah. And she found out from someone else and texted me, you know, like really indignant. I would have thought you could have let me know you were back, this, that and the other, and he ignored her. God. So, the lads have told us that, and I know it's true, because I know he was getting texted, and I know he was really angry, and he never, you know, I knew, I thought, oh, has he fallen out with someone? Do you think he was really institutionalised at that point? Um, I think it, yeah, definitely. And, and is your view that that's necessary part of being able to do the job? Um, I think so, yeah, because in order for them to do what they do and to work with, even if they don't like the person they're working with, they'll save their life. Because it's respect. They have to have that training, which yeah. they don't get now, which is another story. But you have to have that training. Yeah. It's a camaraderie. Yes. Yeah. And I've got your back, same, you've got mine. We're yeah. all on the same side. Yeah. So what happened then? How long until he went back? Oof. See, all these things, I wonder if it's... It's how... It, I'll, let you, I'll, I'll tell you and see what you think. He fought. He kept going to the physio then. They didn't have Barry St. Um, not Barry St. Um, QA. No. no, Headley Court. They didn't have that then. Um... He had to go to Plymouth every time to do his um, physio. And um, from Birmingham, to, yeah, to oh, Plymouth. To Plymouth. Well, oh no. God. What happened was, first of all, he was at home. Yeah. And we used we used to take him to Truro for the day, drop him off in Truro to go to the hospital, and then we'd go and, and look round the cathedral or that, and then pick him. He'd phone. You can get me now. It was never pleased or anything. He was just so angry with the world. Yeah. And so we went and picked him up. It wasn't, you couldn't think, oh, how dare you talk to me. It never crossed our minds. We just knew he was going through pain. 
and that's we knew his unconditional love, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we just knew his personality. Yeah. yeah. And we didn't care as long we had him in some shape or form. It didn't matter, you know. Sounds really weird, but anyway. So he went to he, he calmed down a bit. He was getting into the like being at home part. Um, and anyway, he started. He used to. He went back to Saint Morgan. And um, he used to go to Plymouth to do his um, physio. And that was like intensive for weeks. And then he'd just get to the end of it. And his knee would either fill up or his ankle would fill up. So he'd have to come off, go back to St. Morgan, uh, rest, do what they used to do, you know, the menial things they had yeah. to do around the base, which he hated, and um, get himself better from that and then go back do more physio the same would happen again and he's going that's interesting don't believe this mum i just don't believe this do you think this forced mindset was preventing him getting well i don't know this pressure that he was putting yeah. onto his body i want you well so i can go back to my yes he was panicking i think yeah he wouldn't. and we didn't know but we were told later on well we did know i tell a lie he did actually say um that he had felt really rough and they put him onto Prozac. So I knew something was going on. So he'd obviously, well, the lad said, um, he started staying in his room and come out of his room when he wasn't doing anything. And so they reported him to the sergeant or to the corporal. Yeah. And they made him go to the doctors and the doctor put him on Prozac. Well, I was on Prozac when I had a depression. So I know it must've been quite bad for them to do that. Mm. So I really felt for him because I know what you know what Steve went through as well, and um, he uh, he went back the last time and um, he got through it and he phoned me up and he said, "Mum, mum, I'm back on, I'm back on." I said, "Oh, I'm really pleased for you, Matt." Yeah, you know. But you weren't really. <laughs> well, I didn't want him to carry on the way he was. Because it was, it was no good for him. Yeah. He was desperate to get back in. But you see, the part of me would please for him because he was getting what he wanted. And everyone wants, wants their child to have what they want, don't they? Exactly. But the other part of me was thinking of the danger of it. Yeah. But then he, um, he'd come home in the um, February, March time to have a break with us. And, to, and then he was going on to Iraq. And... Um, he was fine. He was like happy because you know he, he, he was scared he was going to be kicked out of the regiment because they're pretty. If you're no good to them, then you're out. Right. You know. But I mean, they did. They persevered for quite a while, and I think he was scared that in the end they'd say, "I'm sorry, you're going to have to be dismissed on medical grounds." You know. But he got through it, and he came home, and he was fine. The only thing is, him and Adam didn't get on because Adam, being the older one would talk to him like he was the younger one and Matt wasn't having any of it because Matt by then had really grown up. And he had respect of his colleagues, didn't he? So to get that from his older brother, he probably wouldn't sit right with him. Adam one day said, "Um, you're right, kid. Don't call me, kid. There was quite a... It was that bad that I went to bed the one night crying saying, I can't cope with this. They're not not getting on. And um, Matt came up to the room and I said, Matt, please speak please don't do this, you know, you're going to go to Iraq. And he said, yeah, but he's a, he's a prick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> only lads can say things like that, can't they? 
yes, but he's your brother. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he might be a prick, but he's your brother. <laughs> he's your brother. <laughs> and uh, they went, Adam, they went out and they ended up all going to this nightclub. And he was in a taxi, apparently, and Sean says, he was saying to Adam, look, Adam, um, you get on my nerves, you're a prick, but you're <laughs> my brother and I love you. Good. And that was as much as he had to say. And yes. that was it, really, and that helped Adam as well. Yes. Um, so he, um, he goes to Iraq. I'm still praying at night. And um, he came back for his... R and R, which is rest and um, oh, how is it called? Um, I can't think what it's called. It's gone out of my mind. You can say it, Joe. Recuperation. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> rest and recuperation. Thank you. And um, he was different. First of all, which I'll never forget, and it's slowed me until the day I die. I'm in bed. We knew he was coming home, but he wasn't allowed to tell us when. He was right. on top security. And um, I didn't even hear the front door. And all of a sudden, I sensed there was someone at the bedroom door. We live in the we sleep in the front of the house now, but we slept in the back then. And I looked, and I could just see a shadow. And he never said hello or anything. He was like, "I'll do." Always, that was his. "I'll do." "I'll do." Matthew. And I sat up in bed. And he came over to the bed, and he got on the bed, and I was just hugging him like this. And he looked at his dad, and he was laughing at me. It was so lovely. And Dad, and Steve was laughing as well, because I was just hugging him and kissing all his face, and, I, and he was oh. just laughing at me. And um, it was lovely. So he was talking, and Steve said, how are you getting on? He says, brilliant, it's really kicked off. Oh, gosh. been bombed all the time then. He says, and, and he, he says, you're not going to like this, Mum. He says, but it's so busy, and the siren's going all the time. And I saw him that he said, yes, but I'm trained for this, Mum. I'm not trained to sit around. I'm trained to fight. This is what he wanted. So, anyway, so that was it. And then um, he said, I'm going to go for a sleep. I, I said, well, he said, no, everyone's in bed. I'll go downstairs and um, I'll have them sleep on the settee. So I went and got him a, a blanket. And... Tucked him in. Yeah. <laughs> well, I had work that day as well. So I just got back into bed for about an hour. And then I got up. He was fast asleep. And then um, I was getting ready for work and that. And when he woke up, he wasn't... He was very distant. Totally different um, to when he'd come in. All, like, happy and yeah. excited. That had all gone. And he was like a shell. That's all I can say. And he said... Uh, training wasn't it was, he says because we thought it was a bomb yeah they had all this bombardment it's um what do they call it ptsd shell shock, shell shock which is ptsd post-trauma stress disorder but i wouldn't shell shock i thought yeah they get that in the yeah. reactions you're not thinking mentally what it's doing to no them. no that's right and then um he uh that was it went out, um, actually, I'm trying to get it right now, where did we go, we went somewhere, we were in a shop, 
and Steve went up to him to whisper something to him and Dad, don't do that! Oh, he jumped. Yeah, yeah. And then he was also in bed the one night and I went into the bedroom, I went up to him and he shot up on the bed. Don't ever do that again! For God's sake, don't do that! So he'd, had, he'd got all that. You, um, Jill and Chris, we went to, um, I don't know what it was, something at um, Cottage Park and uh, Matthew went with Jill and Chris. We went home and he, he stayed with Jill and Chris. And they said he, he wasn't Matthew. He, he wasn't the same. He, was, he loved them so much and yeah. he loved being with them. But there was something there, definitely. And then... Um, so are you actually saying that you believe, I know you can't diagnose and I can't diagnose, but are you saying that you believe he had signs of post-trauma stress disorder? Could have been the start. And I think they the hypervigilance. Most of them did actually. Yeah. I think it could have been the start because he never had that before. Yeah. It was that last tour. And then um, when it happened, um, afterwards, um, the liaison officer came and it was like a gift from an angel because he was just such a lovely bloke. He, he was, we were saying the other night. He was just such a nice man. Never knew Matthew. This liaison officer. Yeah, never done this before. He was, he was, they asked him if he'd do it. Because the regiment hadn't lost anyone since the 80s. So, so you've got, this is a, there's a gap then from Matthew's last time when he was shown signs of PTSD. Went back. So he then went back to Iraq for the yes. third time. Yes, because he had two weeks on and off. Right. And then went back. Right. So are you able to talk through us what happened when he went back for that third time? Well, he, while he was there, mm. we don't really know a, a lot. So what happened? Going on. So what happened from when you last saw him to when this liaison officer came um, to see you? Well, we had obviously we had phone calls with him, but there weren't many phone calls. And the one time he phoned, his sirens went off, so he said, "I've got to go." Gosh. And it was happening all the time. It was it was a time when they um, they were bombarding Basra Airport. They wanted to kill as many as they possibly could yes. at the end of the day. And he'd gone. Um, they'd been on um, the Reconnaissance. operation yeah. on that morning, or early in the morning. And then they'd just come off of what they were doing, and the next ones were going. And um, their um, sergeant said, "Go and have a rest now." And their, their um, rest was um, their barracks or whatever they call it. Um, they were like, uh, they had like these shield things. So if there was a rocket, it would go that way yes. and out rather than in. But for some reason, it came through another way. The rocket did. Yeah. And it hit where Matthew was, Christopher. Rocky hit three of them. It hit, it hit just outside their room. Yeah. While they were resting. While they were resting. Oh goodness. And Christopher, he was totally. There was nothing left of him. And Peter landed on one of the lads in the room. And Matthew, the sergeant said at the inquest that when he first went into the room, everything was fine. 
was obliterated. But he thought Matthew was alive. And when he got up to me, he could tell he wasn't. There's no way he could be alive. I wasn't going to go to the inquest, but in the end I had to. I thought I was hoping to find some answers to how it happened. But everything he kept saying, they had to blot out because it's confidential information. But they showed us pictures of where they were. And it was just... Afterwards, they showed pictures of... The rooms. Oh, how awful. Um, And how it was, it was just rubble and metal. Yeah. I don't know how Matthew would be wanting, or Peter. But obviously Christopher got the worst part because he was just blown apart. So how were you informed of Matthew's uh, death? Well, I can always remember this. We come home, we pull up. I'm just saying to Steve, what's the tea? It's <laughs> this summer. Really looking forward to this. Got out the car and the neighbours were there. Now the neighbours, um, about oh, a couple of months earlier, had been there when we got out of the car and said, oh, there's someone standing with a kid, a bloke and a kid, standing on your garage roof looking at your house. And Brian, who lived there at the time, says, what are you doing? And they just smiled at him and got down. So when they came, they were there, I said, oh, now what's happened? Has someone been, you know, in the, you know, by the house or whatever? Yeah. And Karen said, there was the uniformed people came to the house and um, they, they knocked our door and said, um, when are we back? And I said, I think normally about five o'clock. They said, okay. And we'd got home earlier than five o'clock. And um, Steve and I just looked at one another. And do you think, oh, maybe not, maybe run away. <laughs> and I remember we went through, we went into the house and Steve went and sat down in front of me and I was pegging clothes on the line for some reason. I don't know, don't ask me why, but I was pegging clothes. Must be just trying to keep myself occupied. Yeah. And I heard a knock at the door. just stood in the garden any of the information right and they said it was only Matthew that was killed and I was thinking thank you God and they wanted a picture and we got a picture of him with his gun and said well we can't have that one not for the papers and um, we couldn't think well we haven't really got one to be honest you know to give you and um 
says, oh, well, you're going to have... No, I don't think they even mentioned the liaison officer. I'm not sure. I think they might have actually said, you're going to have the liaison officer and uh, we'll get him to sort it out. And I said, well, when's it going to be in the news? It could be any time now. And I thought, oh, God, I think of my friends. I mean, you know, the close friends we've got, they all love Matthew. And, you know, like Matthew's nan was still... Um, Steve's mum was still alive by yeah. then. Steve's dad had died. And where was his, where was his, brother, his brothers at the time? <sighs> Uh, Sean was with us. Right. And Adam was at work. Okay. And um, so they were looking at me. They were watching me all the time. I think they were expecting me to break down or something. And I, I wouldn't. I yeah. wasn't. I, not that I wouldn't. I don't know. I just. Did you need to know the facts to to accept? Not accept it to I make. Really, at the time, I didn't really want to know. Right. I just kept thinking. Well, maybe and then um, I can't, I can't, I had to be busy then. And I thought, the way I was busy was, we've got to go and tell, we've got to make sure everybody knows. I couldn't be in the house. So after they'd gone, because it was quite cold. So thinking was, of other people? Well, thinking of myself really, to be honest with you, okay. Alison. It was my way of just getting out. I've got to get out. Got to, the first thing was, we've got to let Adam know. Adam's yeah. got to be the first, I don't care. And um, so we went to Adam's, he wasn't there. So we were outside, uh, there was no one there because he was not the door. And um, I phoned him. He said, hello, Mum, all right. I said, yeah, yeah, where are you? In Selfridges, I've just gone to see my mate who was one of the flatmates. I said, oh, okay. I said, do you think you could come home? Uh, do you think we could pick you up from yours? And uh, he said, uh, why? I said, well, do you just think you could come and we could pick you up? And he said, what we've been worried, is it something that we've always worried about? And I said, yes, I admit you. So he said, okay, I'm coming home. And we picked him up outside his um, flat, right? And um, Adam's very deep. Adam, he won't... He'll just sit there and be quiet. Yeah. Sean's crying, because that's how Sean is. And um, so I said, right, we'll go down and see Yvonne. So we'll just pop into Jill and Chris's first. And we'll so Jill and Chris, your friends. And then who's Yvonne? Yvonne's Steve's sister, who lived further down the road. Okay, so his auntie. Yeah. Yeah. So, because Jill and Chris are closer. Yes. Yeah. In... The way we are. Yes, I understand. So, I my thought was, if it goes on the news and we haven't told everyone, can't, I'm not phoning them. It's not something you tell someone over the phone. No. So, Steve's mum was in a home by then. She got all the things. She was in a home. Anyway, so we we went to Jill and Chris's, and Emma came to the door. She said, "Mum and Dad are out. They're with Dave. They've gone to see Mum." No, don't cry now because of Olivia, which is fair enough. Yeah. And uh, it was really, really surreal. And I didn't cry anyway. Um, I mean, we were upset, and I know what she was saying, but I thought, what? I'm not crying at the time. Yeah. We went to Yvonne's and uh, told Yvonne. Still, I wasn't crying. Yvonne said, do you want me to tell Mum? And Steve said, yes, please, you tell Mum. So we went back to Jill and Chris's. But, oh, that's right. When we were going to go to Yvonne's, Adam says, 
I'll get out and I'll um, I'll walk from here. Because he'd seen someone he knows as well. And he got out and he stood there talking to someone like it was just any other day. And I remember driving past him as if slow motion thinking, it's like he, you know, it's an ordinary day. I'm you know, it can't be. It was really weird, all the thoughts were coming to mind. Anyway, when we came back, apparently Emma and Olivia, well, Emma had spotted Adam outside. So she was like, they were pulling faces at him through the window. And he, he like, saw the person and he, he came in and then he told them. That's right, yeah, we didn't, because there was, that's right, when we first went to Jill's, there was no answer, we didn't see Emma, that's wrong, there was no answer at the door. She was upstairs bathing Olivia, so we went to Yvonne's and Adam was outside, and she'd come back down with Olivia, saw Adam out the front, and they were making faces at him yeah. through the window, so he came in to tell her. Right. And so by the time we got there, Emma already knew, and she was saying, don't get upset because of Olivia. That's what Olivia being Emma's baby. Yes, of course, and she was only young, she was yeah. only three. Yeah. Anyway, so she must have phoned Jill and Chris while we weren't there, mm -hmm. and we came in, and then you you turned up, and, I mean... I Is that when you broke down? No, I didn't. I didn't Still didn't break, I didn't break down. down. I didn't. What day of the week was it? Just wondering mm. if that day is etched into your no, mind. No, I think it was a Wednesday, but right. I can't be 100% sure. It was, it was a Wednesday or a Thursday, I don't know. It was the 19th of July, 2007. So whatever day that is. Yeah. And um, then, from Jill and Chris's, we went to his godparents, Alison and Morris, and they live in, um, in uh, King's Standing. Yes. Uh, King, not King's Standing, King's Winford. Oh, King's Winford, <laughs> yes. Totally different. Yeah. And um, we went over there. And they were out and we just waited in the car. And there was a thunderstorm. And they were saying, that's my thunderstorm. He always said that. When the, we, we do seem to know signs, don't but we, when we have lost like this? He loves thunderstorms like oh, me. Oh, right. If I don't, might not even know there's one coming. And I've got all this energy. It happened the other night. You know, I was going to say, did it? Yes. Yeah. Did it happen? I went upstairs. I was cleaning everywhere. I had all this energy, which I normally haven't got when I come in from work. And I come down. I said to um, Steve, oh gosh, I feel really like energetic and that, really weird. But yes, he loved them as well. And he said, yeah, he said the thunderstorm. And then Alison and Morris turned up and what it was, it was a, um, they'd gone to a, um, a, a dance thing that their daughter had done or, or something. And we were meant to be going the following night with them. And uh, Alison said her first thoughts were, um, We'd, she told us the wrong night and we'd come to see yes. her. She says, and I saw your face and I was like, oh, Jude's not very happy, I bet she'd really peed off with us. I might have given her the wrong date, bless her. Anyway, she, she come to the car and opened the door and I just, that's when I broke down. I said, Hearing those words, how, how did that feel? I don't know. Is that the just first time you said be, those words? It couldn't be right. It's not right. And, um, and we went in, and I always remember Alison saying, come in and have a cup of tea. Come in and have a cup of tea. Like it was a recording. Yeah. She was uh, so shocked. Come in and have a cup of tea. And it was just, you know, we just, we went in. And we were there for a little while, and then we came home. And then we went to bed. And I thought we wouldn't sleep. 
did sleep, got up in the morning and hello in my ear. Really like my whole ear vibrated. And I said, Steve, I've just had hello in my ear. And Steve said, Oh my god, is it Matthew? And I just started crying, really crying uncontrollably. So it can't be because he says how do, he doesn't say hello. Yes. Really strange. And um, did you recognise his voice? I thought I did, yes. I really did, yeah. And I thought I couldn't say hello. That's how I felt. And then um, it was a Thursday because it was a Friday. Um, Jim and Chris were there for the next day. They came for them. So the day that Matthew died was a Thursday, and then this was a Friday morning when you, yes, yes. Steve went into shock, and Chris was fantastic, and he said um, to Sean, because Sean was being really strong, and he said to Sean, have you got the number of your doctors, and um, Sean said, yeah, he, he found the number for him, or I don't know if it was Sean or me actually, and he phoned up the doctors, and Dr Chowan came round, who I don't normally like, and he sat with Steve holding his hand, he was so good. Prescribed um, sleeping tablets, and uh, your first thing is you think I could take them and not wake up again. Yeah. What stops you from not taking them? The kids. Yeah. Adam and Sean. Just looking at Sean. Sean was. Um, it was his nineteenth birthday. The next day, that Friday. did you celebrate, I'm using that in inverted commas, his birthday? Were you able to, no? No, his best friend took him from McDonald's. Yeah. He didn't want to. No. Have you been able to celebrate since anything? Um, 12 years? No, I mean, when it was his 21st, we had the caravan then. And um, obviously not this one. And he didn't want to do anything. And he wasn't with anyone at the time. And we asked Jill and Chris, would you do him a tea? And we'll come over home from the caravan. We'll order a cake, and we can just give him a birthday cake, you know, for his 21st, because he doesn't want to do anything. And I just felt I didn't want him to not do anything for his 21st. I felt yeah. that that would always be a mark to him. And um, so he, he went to Jill and Chris's quite innocently, having a, you know, tea and that. And then we turned up with the cake, and he was okay because the way it was done. Yeah, nice and gentle. He was okay. Yeah. yeah. How about Adam? Adam went through a lot. Adam um, would see him in the mirror. Would see Matthew in the mirror yeah. when he looked into the mirror. And he saw him on the stairs or something. He, he kept seeing like visions of him. And um, he was he went into his own guilt as the big brother and the big like survivor guilt, almost. You why, know, why our should... big brothers can be exactly they the, the younger brother. Yeah, yes. He went ten and forward. Yes. We took him. Yes. We sat outside waiting for him. He went in like this and came out like this. Did Helen, so Helen, was Helen the medium as well? She, I think, 
I can't remember if she was a medium. I'm just wondering I, I if she connected know. with Matthew. I don't know. Oh, I don't know. I really don't. I just know that she just sat down and, and she just said to him what he was telling her what went on. We don't know because we were never. No, that, not, that was his know, thing. Yeah. And she was just saying to him, that's what big brothers do. Big yeah. brothers sit on little brothers and that's how she talked. Yeah. And F around with them, you know. That's it. And he came out. That really helped him. So Jude, did it fragment the family or did it bring the family closer together? Um, fragmented. Have, have you been able to come back together as a yes, family? Yes, And how, how has that happened? What have you done to, to cement you? Um, Adam, um, meeting Natalie. She's I Natalie's think. wife now. Yes. Yeah. Um, she's been fantastic with him, really has. And she, he said, you know, he never talked to Natalie about Matthew. She knew that he'd lost his brother and all that, of course, because they were friends at the time, all a big crowd. But he actually, uh, one night, he, he just he said he just told her everything and, and talking to Natalie about it and had a good cry. Um, so Natalie, I think, with Adam. Adam's a... Um, a work in progress. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, he's not the easiest. Um, he's got lots of issues and that really, but I mean, um, he doesn't express his feelings very well. If there's a problem, Adam gets on the defensive. Um, just an example, when we lost our Jess, our Greyhound, obviously we were devastated. And they all turned up. Natalie and Adam, um, Sean, Laurel couldn't come, she couldn't face it, and Sean's uh, partner. Anything to do with animals that die. And um, so they came and um, Adam and Natalie went into the kitchen and put the kettle on and making us a cup of tea. And Sean came into the front room and then they ca Adam walked in. Now Sean's all, you know, hold our hands and that. And, um, Adam was all right, bummer. Well, your garden needs mowing, it's a bloody mess, you know. That's yeah. his way, and if anything's going on, he, you know, he can't he can't cope with it, yes, you know, yes, can't cope so with it. So he uses humour as a deflection, yeah, yeah. And what about Sean? How's so how is Sean getting on, or how is Sean dealt with losing his brother? I think he deals with it. I, I'm talking for him, I might be totally wrong, but because he's. He's done the same and opened out to Laurel, and then he went to the counselling. Like I say, totally turned him round again. Um, having constantly knowing he's in his life and talk to Lily about him, and like I do as well. Lily, his daughter. Daughter. Yeah. So therefore, that would have been Matthew's niece. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, if someone's listening to this right now and and they've lost a child. What, what would you say to them? Can you give them any hope? Any advice? Say again? We're coming back out of it. I don't know. What what could you... You've been through this experience. You know what it's like. It gets easier. In what way? Um, the rawness of the beginning and the, and the anger... And I was angry with Matthew, angry with myself, 
I've still got lots of guilt. The guilt is, you know, sometimes I wake up at night and I can't get back to sleep because I feel guilty. Um, but we're living our life. We do live our life now. We have a laugh and we enjoy things. I never thought we'd have that. And we kind of don't believe that Matthew's gone because we believe he's with us all the time. And we get signed, you know. Steve, the other day, I was holding Lily. She's the joy of our life. And I was cuddling her and kissing her. And Steve saw Matthew in the French, um, the sliding door, saw Matthew stood there watching us. Oh, how wonderful. Yeah. And I looked at Steve and said, what's Matthew? His eyes filled, filled up. And um, he said, Matthew's there. He didn't tell me in front of anyone, yeah. He didn't he didn't say. So is your advice to a parent or parents who've lost their child to keep living your life? You've got to keep living your life. Yeah. Because we could have ended it. Yeah. We really could have, because your first thought is, well, Matthew's not here, I don't want to, how am I going to live without Matthew? Yeah. Without his character, that that excitement of him coming home and like ringing up Jill and saying, ringing up Alison and saying, Matthew's coming home, can you can you come to ours? And we'll have like drinks and a, a little yeah. party. Every time he came, it was a get-together. A celebration. A celebration. And how are we going to, how can I live without him? This is, you know, forever now. Um, well, I didn't. I couldn't admit it was forever. But how are we going to live without him? So, when did you start celebrating again? Was there a pivotal moment that you think, you know, we've just celebrated and we've laughed without felt feeling guilty? Well, or when we, because um, we had Olivia, I really feel close to Olivia. I love Olivia. So, how old is Olivia? Olivia's fifteen now, but she was only three when Matthew died. And Matthew and me and Adam were godparents are got parents and I always remember when Matthew came home and uh, it was the last time he came home we'd done all the garden and that and we all sat out in the garden and um, Jill and Chris Alison and Morris and, and Matt and uh, Olivia was playing Matthew off and she kept taking her um, sandals off and Matthew would what are you doing chase her up to the summer house put your sandals on she put them on and you go and sit down knowing he's like this knowing and she goes Matthew Matthew look what I've done said, right and he go running up you know running up the garden and I always remember that lovely um, we had we did laugh even our neighbours said we can hear you because you can hear people he says and we can hear you laughing thinking in a way it was like an accusation but what it was Jill and Chris would keep us like that and they were like so strong with us all the time yeah i mean we spent a lot of time staying at jill and chris's as well and we just we'd be sat there and we'd be laughing one minute over something olivia had done or something chris says or something jill says and we'd be laughing and then i'd be crying and um another friend of mine said phoned up and said how are you and i said sunshine because that's how it felt. Yes. One minute you were laughing, next minute you were crying. How ironic that you get sunshine in the showers after a storm. We weren't as living well. our lives then no. because everything was. I can't remember the order it was in, but Tony Hart, uh, Tony Field was so good, and he came every day. Was this the guy from the army? Yeah. The liaison from the, guy. Uh, regiment. Yeah. yeah. 
um, the regiment, sorry. He came, no, it's okay. He came and I can't say army because Matt yeah. didn't like the army. No, of course, I know I've just, that's why I corrected myself. I do apologise to regiment. Um, he was really good and he loved our friends as well. Yeah. And he was really like one of us. For, he really got into like one of us, although he knew he wasn't, if you know what I mean. Um, and he was, he was saying we, we, we had a meal and he was there for the meal and we really enjoyed it. And But. How did he help you, the liaison officer? Because he just took everything himself. We didn't do anything ourselves. Um, he did the banks and everything to do with Matthew's things and sorted out everything. And when did that help you? It did, yes, because I don't know what we would have done. Right. It's not the same as when my mum died and sorting out her things. And that practically helps you, you know, you on some level. It, yeah. But when it's actually your child, if you've got a phone, I've got, he's got um, a Birmingham uh, Midshires account still with a couple of hundred in it, and it's still sat there, because I can't, I phoned them up the once to ask what I have to do, and they said you've got to send the death certificate, and I haven't done anything, and we're talking 12 years now, and he's still sat there. Yeah. And Steve could say, really, you should do something with that, because I think that should go to Lily. Matt would want that to go to his niece. But it's just a thought of having to get his death certificate out. Yeah, I can imagine. But, no, he did everything. And he was so good with Sean. He got Sean a book on all the badges, because he used to say, he used to, Tony used to come in, and the first thing he had to put up with, he had a cup of tea, and he had to listen to all Sean's questions. <laughs> And then have the answers for them. Yeah. What's this badge for? What's this for? Oh, wonderful. And what's that? So he got him a book on every single award or medal you could possibly have in the regiment. Wonderful. And gave him that. That's really he thoughtful. Was really, yeah, so, so really good. the fact that he was thoughtful helped you and the fact that he was practical. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So are you saying that's what, that's what someone who's going through a loss bereavement of a child needs, I need that support and that practical support. I would say so, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't blame anyone if they couldn't carry on. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's such a... So how has your life changed? Um, if you were able to put it in a couple of sentences? It hasn't changed for the better. It can't possibly have changed for the better. But I think... Um, I don't know. I don't know how to say. We've carried on living. Um, Are you enjoying life? Say, um, I can't say I'm not enjoying life. Because I do enjoy life. And Matthew would want me to. He'd want us to. Yeah. You know, if we ended up ending it, and just say, we ended up ending it and joining him. He'd have been so angry with us. I know he would have been, how dare you do this? Because you you've mentioned that a few times about ending it. So you've obviously thought about it. You've obviously had the discussion. Not since then, but yeah. at the beginning, yes. Um, we could have easily have taken those sleeping tablets. Yeah. What stopped you? The children? Oh, yeah. Sean yeah, and Adam. Yeah. yeah. And everyone that matters. And knowing deep down that Matthew wouldn't want it. He'd be, think less of us. Do you believe in God? I don't know. I believe in, we're going to the spiritual church, 
it's all it's like any other church yeah. because you've got your bitchiness and your backbiting you think you're meant to be spiritualist yeah. um, but the spiritual side of it and their belief hit home with me because I tried to go back to our church in Bourneville where we got married and where Matthew was um, his funeral and I did it for so long and then I thought no I can't be putting up with this you know this bible business because I don't mean to offend anyone who's religious but it's fables isn't it it's not what happens how can you say that happens in real life it, it, it's fables for people to learn from to, to guide them and people sit there taking it all in you know this really happened I can't that's how I am yeah but the spiritual side I really believe in I believe in the afterlife I know Matthew's there and I know he's with us and he's really sat here right now saying, I was going to say is he with you this now this is a silly cow does she know what her voice sounds like when he's in the <laughs> <laughs> he would really look on it he was such a what can I say he was young but he was older than us because he had so much experience mm. and I always remember on his last um, visit home it was really kicking off in Iraq and on the news someone had soldier had been killed and he walked into the room and I was saying to Sean oh it's terrible and that's what's the matter and I said the soldier has just been killed he said mum don't you understand how many people can say they died doing the job they love now all this I, ha- I, I had when he went when I could think straight again all that those months or well it was over a year of him fighting to get back onto the regiment what he went through to get back onto the regiment and the fear he had that he'd end up being turfed out. What would he do if he was in normal city street? And then saying that to me on his last yeah. visit. He did love doing what he did. He won't ever take the guilt that we let him do it in the first place because at the end of the day, we were the parents, he was the child, and I can't let go of that. But he... Um, that's what we got to draw on, to be honest. And that was my, that was my next question. What is Matthew's legacy? Be, being, you know, choosing us as parents. Yeah. Making How? our life more enriched. That we can sit back and talk about him and say about some of the things he used to say. How he used to make us laugh. Always made us laugh. Did you have a favourite comedian? Liked the, uh, I always remember on his last um, visit, um, we sat, Dad didn't want to watch the film, me and Sean and him sat and watched um, Hot Fuzz. Um, it's a character, oh gosh, out of, you know The Office and all that? Some of yeah, them, yes, yes, the yes, yes, yes. In that. Sean of the Dead yes, and all yes, that. Yes. Well, the Hot Fuzz is like a, I know a now, yes, yes, yes. Sitting through that with him and he had the most diverse, oh gosh, some of his brain dead was one um oh god i can't think he had some really strange films we've got the cases upstairs because hardly any of his any of his films have got the uh, dvds in them because he'd lend them to the other blows and they wouldn't get them back back. (laughs) okay my final question then um is matthew's song what is matthew's song it's an oasis song and i can't it's something uh I can't think what it's called. I'd have to look it up. Can you say some of the lyrics and see if we can 
it was the theme to the royal family. You know, the comedy, the royal family. Yes. It's that, it's that song that plays them in. Yes. And yes. out again. Half, something across the world or something. Half. It's terrible. And what it was, um, Tony asked us what we wanted for the music to go uh, after the funeral. Yes. I can't remember what music we had going into the funeral, but um, as we came out and we said this song because we knew he loved it and he was trying to find the song um, and no one knew what album it was on okay. at the time. And, um, My husband um, would know the answer to this. Yeah. While Jill's looking that up, um, if Matthew was here with us now in person, what would he say to these listeners? I hate that kind of question because of talking, I might get it completely wrong and he might be there saying, Mum, you're total rubbish. But <laughs> I think genuinely he would say, carry on. Carry on for, for my sake day you know you've got to live your life I, that's what I think he would well I know he would there you go like I say if we'd finished it I think in all fairness we would have let him down I really do so if anyone is listening to this who's lost a child carry on carry on it you live you carry on living and it does get easier with time you never ever get over the loss you just won't but it isn't it isn't that um, the initial pain is so painful it hurts to breathe and every so often it will come back for some reason and it might not even be an anniversary of him dying it might just be a memory something in a program the other day we were watching a film um, a program and um, this family lost the mum and the dad was in the car funeral car and he was sobbing and the child was a young child was behind him she put her hand on his shoulder and it brought back a memory of when I lost my mum and that was only 18 then we were in the funeral car and he held my hand tight for me for support and it just brought that back and that really took yeah. me back and upset me and all the, the rawness came back I always get a lump or feel like my heart's outside my body yeah and um, it just brought that memory back yeah. straight away. Yes. So you will still get that. You're going to, you, you know, you've lost something. You love them. But I do genuinely believe you haven't lost them. They are still with you and they're guiding you through life. And well, that's to me, is his legacy. Thank you. And I, I believe that Matthew's been speaking through you today oh. to help these listeners. To you, Judith. I believe he is with you and I'm sure the listeners will want to thank you and so I'm going to thank you on their behalf thank you Judith and bless you and bless you Matthew